Hello and welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis. I'm here with my brother, Jeremy Sartori. It is a Brother, Brother podcast. And we are doing our quarterly, uh, what are you listening to? A, a way to catch up on on new music that we're checking out and uh, make some recommendations, make some dire warnings. I don't know. What are you making, recommendations or dire warnings, Jer? Yeah, I think I'm going to make some recommendations and uh, stay away from dire warnings. There's enough of those out on the airwaves these days. Yeah. And I'm I'm wearing a mask, and we are uh, more than six feet away, by the way. Yeah, we're more than four miles away. So, um, (laughs) so you want to kick it off with a a, uh, first recommendation? I would just say, you know, we, we did Q1, um, Waxahachie, uh, you know, a bunch of albums that had come out early on. I, uh, I picked Pluck 3, and, and then I thought we could talk about a couple um, big sort of releases. So I don't know how you want to do it. Do you want to kick into our kind of our recommendations and then talk about yeah. the yeah, Universal? One, 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 one. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Okay, sounds good. I'm going to kick I off then. Do much Sorry, fun, so much planning before we get on. I know, I know, really. Um, you can hear us create an outline live. But um, the first record I'm going to talk about is uh, Jay Electronica's album. And uh, this is a guy that, like, you know, I've heard around the hip-hop world. Um, the name kind of always threw me off just because it's so blatant, Electronica. You know, it's just kind of a strange moniker. Um, New Orleans rapper uh, was tied into um, Erica Badu um, as far as, uh, sorry, tied into is kind of a weird way to say that. He was with Erica Badu for a while, producing a bunch of her, her kind of uh, acclaimed albums. A Jay-Z, I don't know if he's a Jay-Z prodigy, but definitely a, a strong connection to I Jay-Z. Think he, I think he's a really, I think he's been around for a very long time. Well, he's been around, he's been buzzed about since 07, but he hasn't put out much. So he, he literally has like singles and some, a mixtape. And then he's yeah, been... This is pro- the first proper album, I believe. Yeah, been producing quite a, quite a bit. And the written testimony is the album. Um, Jay-Z is, is kind of his, his cohort on the album. So, uh, you know, already check there. And it's a great record. It, it's it's um, dense. It's kind of got like the mix of... Um, you know, I want to say run the jewels sort of uh, production with a little bit of like political PE and uh, delivery of like eclipse or mob deep in my mind um, as far as you know um, actual rhymes go and, uh, and and kind of delivery and and you know a guy that mentioned Serge Gainsborough and Farrakhan in the same same uh, rhyming so, scheme yeah. as exactly as well as um you know talking about p diddy telling him to to f uh being underground fuck being underground and, and getting himself a grammy in another verse so it, it it's an album that like kind of surprised me i heard it buzzed about i just for some reason in my mind was thinking this is going to be much more soundscape and electronica than straight ahead you know um hip-hop and it definitely has a uh a great um you know, unique uh, musical delivery, but it is a straight-ahead hip-hop album in the same kind of way Daytona 500 was for Pusher T to me, um, where you, you know, I think I've been sort of on a Tyler the Creator kick and, and things like that, where rhyming kind of takes the backseat to experimental experimentation. I think this sort of blends both in a great way, more on, on the front of, like, Run the Jewels LP and, and Killer Mike's uh, style. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a forty three year old guy putting out his first proper album, 
Um, he is also uh, uh, scandalous. Uh, you know, dating Rothschild there as well. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, I wouldn't call it a darling, but certainly a, a fascination of the British press, which is, you know, sort of famously um, invasive and nasty. So, yeah, he's he's got a full plate, but um, it sounded really good. And then a couple of guests, uh, you know, Travis Scott and uh, um, Game, I believe, are both guests on this, correct? Yes, they are. And, and if you listen to it without being mentioned, Jay-Z rhymes almost throughout the entire album. Um, yeah. Which is a, always, a, you know, not a bad sidekick to have. No, it's, it's a good understudy. So my first one is another darling of the uh, British press, uh, Rina Sawayama. Um, Rina Sawayama is also, um, this is her debut album, although she is... Uh, uh, quite a bit younger than Jay Electronica. Um, she's an interesting character. She is a Japanese-born, British-raised um, fashion model slash singer. And um, if that sounds familiar, uh, it's kind of the same backstory as Dua Lipa. Um, yeah, I was going to say, Q1, Q2. Yeah. Yeah, Rina Samamaya is, um, I think, going to be kind of a... Uh, I'm curious to see where where she goes in terms of popularity because her songs are like this weird mix of um you know like max martin style pop with like corn and limp biscuit style new metal uh, <laughs> riffs in the middle of it it's i know that sounds insane but it, I, I was taken you know it took me a few minutes but I, I made the connection uh to a band that was made their debut, I think, 10 years ago, or, made, or put out their, you know, signature album 10 years ago, which is Sleigh Bells, uh, yeah. a band that yeah. kind of mixed two, you know, genres that had no business being mixed and also had a fascination, you know, um, with that sort of Ibanez, uh, you know, Steve Vai yeah, style 80s exactly. guitar. And, you know, sort Marshall of Stacks riffs and um it works for them i mean i like i was a big sleigh bells fan i love sleigh bells um, and i kind of feel like rena sawayama is um her her uh debut album is is semi eponymous her her t- the title of the album is uh sawayama um it's kind of the same you know weird Concession that, like, if you like this and you like this, you know, maybe, or, you know, maybe these two weird things can, uh, maybe she can join them together, but it's, it, it's not unintentional. I mean, she is very overt and, um, you know, f- freely discusses the fact that she is a uh, massive, you know, that she grew up watching TRL live and you get a Christina Aguilera video followed by a corn video and she liked both. Yeah, I think that's kind of that's a, first of all, sleigh bells is a great uh, comparison, and uh, I didn't think of that until you just said it. And then, uh, yeah, you make sense because you know, I think pop stars or, or you know, artists these days are really hitting that age that you know, you know, you and I are aged out of. But it's uh, that TRL and Christian certainly, you know, probably in, in his prime of MTV watching was right there. Yeah, um, more before of we a hit the MTV Beach House. Um... Uh, I was, yeah, spring, the original Real break. World. Yeah. <laughs> spring break, yeah. What was the other one? The Grind. <laughs> the Grind, yeah. And uh, Club MTV even. You Club know, I had MTV, a little downtown right. Julie Brown, um, who we used to run into at, at rock shows, by the way, if you remember. That's right. Um, and, and Kennedy, unfortunately, as well. The, uh, the, uh, who, was, yeah, who was my upstairs neighbor in New York. Yeah. 
But um, what should we hear, and then we'll jump into the next couple. I think we um, hit some hit us with some J Electronica. See what the what's what's your what's your track of choice. All right, let's do it. Um, hold on, I'm like bad with names, so give me a second, and I am literally going to say let's do um, let's do the one featuring Travis Scott, the Blinding. I think it's a great great track, and kind of morphs into a couple different uh, sounds as well. Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Today we are running down some new albums on our uh, periodic What Are You Listening To episode. And uh, your next one is a little off-brand, but uh, it's uh, on brand for you, I guess. I guess like the three that I picked, I... um, I would say, like, the first, Jay Electronica, I want everybody to hear, and the next two are kind of, like, albums that I probably will suggest to select people, um, and the first is the Ashley McBride, which is a, um, her second full-length, and, um, sorry, I'm having some technical difficulties with my, my new phone, my new iPhone, um, and it's uh, called Never Will. And it's, uh, you know, a very straightforward country album. I mean, I think, you know, you and I have talked about this in the past. I, you know, we have, you know, you grew up a little more in the South than I did. We both, you know, obviously have roots in, in Virginia and have a, uh, an enjoyment of, of good kind of solid country music or Americana. But it's not our base by any means. Um, and I feel like this is that album that straddles the line or every once in a while or every, you know, a couple of years an album comes out that kind of straddles the line between what's considered sort of radio country in my mind and, and, you know, more of the, the Jason Isbell or Steve Earle type, you know, kind of outlawish country or, or kind of troubadourish singer songwriter. And, and I think this album kind of straddles that line really, really nicely. It's a, um, just really straightforward, well-sung, you know, well-written country album and I'd say some standouts you know are, are um, One Night Standards Shut Up Sheila <laughs> and First Thing I Reach For um, and you know she's a Nashville singer-songwriter you know kind of tatted up I think like I said sort of not quite Lucinda Williams edge but but definitely um, from that Spacey world Casey yeah exactly and, and just solid you know it's just a really solid record and you know I think it's one of those things like I, I do like we all like the um, escapism of pop music, or I do at least sometimes of, of popping on like an Ariana Grande or letting my kids control the 
the Spotify selections, and I feel like, you know, not taking anything away from the depth of this album, it's really well written, it kind of has that feel to it where I could just pop it on and you could find yourself probably singing along and not knowing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been a, there's a sort of gradual crawl back to outlaw country in Nashville right now with, you know, I'm in the Chris Stapletons and, and people like that, and, uh, you know, Casey Musgraves. Um, yeah, reminiscent sort of, being, of the, the, the popularity that that had that, you know, I right. think when, when you got, when you and I got turned on to some of that stuff or, you know, in, in later years, it was somewhat a discovery or underground. But I think, you know, yeah, you're, you're getting back to kind of a straightforward songwriting style, which is really all it is, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. more realistic lyrics and things because the music never changes. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, it, there's more. It's still got that sort of sheen of, of Nashville production. Yeah, but, um, which is appealing at times, you know, and I think this one does it well. I think sometimes that sheen can turn me off and sometimes yeah. um, you can kind of get over it and enjoy it, and I like this record quite a bit. All right, well, my next one is... Uh, not surprisingly, Perfume Genius has uh, set my heart on fire immediately, which um, I believe is a directive. Um, it is uh, another in a long line of excellent albums by uh, Mike Hadrius, uh, a.k.a. Perfume Genius. Um, great article recently, actually, by Wesley Morris, the New York Times, a nice profile. Um, but, uh, you know, this is he's... I think he's leaning, you know, he's becoming a great songwriter and arranger. Um, I think he's always had those qualities, but they're growing incrementally on every album. And, you know, the voice has always been there. It's a beautiful voice, sort of reminiscent of, you know, Anthony and Katie Lang and Roy Orbison, kind of. Um, There's, uh, um, you know, I mean, you and I got turned on to, Perfume Genius when Queen came out and I yes. would argue Queen, you know, I mean, I, I could make a solid argument for Queen being the best track of the last 10 years um, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I think I could probably, I wouldn't fight you too arresting. hard on that one. Yeah, it's just like a, this arresting song that every time uh, people hear it that are not, you know, as a tune to, to you know, finding new music, it just stops everybody in their tracks and like, who's this? You know? Yeah. Um, and now it's gotten more, you know, it's more uh, in the ether because it's been used in so many movies and television shows and such. But, um, you know, his songs are, are getting more personal. And, um, you know, the, that way they're in, in that way, they're becoming more interesting, um, you know, less statement, more um, reflection. And, um, you know, it's just a, it's a beautiful record and not surprisingly, um, you know, the arrangements are continuing to grow and there's a lot of quiet moments on this album, but it's not yep. boring at all. It's, it's no, I agree. Great. It's, uh, interesting. Like, you know, and, and it's funny, like, like you said, yeah, I got turned on by queen and I don't know that I've given perfume genius enough time with some of the earlier stuff. I, I like it and I always give it a spin, um, but uh, I, I, I often kind of just file it away as good, really good and, you know, just haven't found the time to really dive in. But I did listen to this album a couple of times, start to finish, um, and a couple sounds light, but, you know, just really kind of listening to it. And, and the one thing that struck me was, you know, you don't have as many highs and, and lows, and, and by high and low I mean more tempo than anything else. Yeah. As you do, just kind of a really consistently good lush album, and uh, yeah. and I think there, I I think the orchestration and, and the kind of subtlety on this one is is great. 
um, and you kind of pick up on little like uh, you know catchy nuances in each song. But yeah, songwriting wise, I mean he's a he's a force to be reckoned with. Um, I almost feel like still doesn't quite get as much um, credit as like a Mitski or St. Vincent or some of the people that I kind of consider contemporaries yeah. these days. Sort of art rock, yeah. um, you know. Yeah, really a lot of talking know, heads in, in that kind of world. Sort of avant-garde uh, singer-songwriters. But I do think that um, this will be one of those artists that, that gets sneaky big, like as we always say, where you're going to be like, oh, that guy's playing the Aganis Arena or that guy's playing... You know, arenas now instead of, uh, yep. you know, it, it's going to jump from clubs to arenas kind of thing. Uh, I, th- I made the same prediction about Mitski last year when I saw her. Um, and I did. I will stick with that. I don't think there's a, uh, you know, I just think there's going to be an audience for this that is going to be super dedicated and, um, you know, is going to. Uh, he, he's just keep, he's accruing fans. He's never he's never shedding them. So. No, he's kind of like I mean, is it fair to say kind of like a Nick Cave kind of legion allegiance? Yeah, you know, like people who like him really really love him. Oh yeah, no, there's it's called a, it's like church, but um, you know it's funny there there um, we we're having that conversation or a lot of people were having this conversation publicly around the time A Star Is Born came out and they were saying like you know Bradley Cooper's character in a star is born like who actually has that not necessarily that exact sound but who who is that mid-tier guy who's still playing amphitheaters and it's a pretty small number of people yeah um and you know i mean i i think we sort of landed on jason isbel for the comparison to bradley cooper's character but you know who are these people who will draw the same people year on end you know that that where you you know you can go to a Nick Cave show, and you're going to see the same five thousand people that you saw last time Nick Cave played. And there's also converts, so it's not like going to an you know, and I mean different size, right? But you and I, and you in particular, are a huge X fan, and and I think going to uh, X show, um, it's pure nostalgia. You see the yeah. same people, but you're not exactly adding too many people no, no, no. to that it's list. Just, you're we're <laughs> dropping some. Where I think um, these guys are adding both younger and, and, and you know, folks that are a little uh, older as well. Like, you get, you know, new new fans with each each kind of um, album and each kind of discovery, which is cool. But it'll be an army. Yeah, absolutely. A dark army. Um, would you like to pick a song off that album before we go to sure. our last um, I think we'll go to uh, Without You um, yes. by Perfume Genius. Beautiful song. Without you, without you, 
Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. It's Wynn and I, and we're talking about our uh, Q2, quarter two favorites of, of 2020 so far. Um, Wynn, uh, you just talked about Perfume Genius, and uh, what is your last, or I shouldn't say last, but what's your third selection? My, my third selection is, uh, I think, verging on genius um, with his talents. It's Moses Sumney's Gray. And uh, people have been kind of waiting for Moses Sumney to break out and become a star, and I think this one's going to do it. It it's, um, I mean, you and I said the same thing when we heard Virile for the first time. Like this is pure Prince sign of the times. Oh man, so much. And, so it's great. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of feel that way about some of Anderson Pack stuff, but this is more of a, you know, I mean, Moses Sumney is not a hip hop artist. Moses Sumney is a uh, guitar player, singer, songwriter. Yeah. Who I actually had the great good fortune. It's funny, I, I um, you know, sounded like a broken record. I think it was around 2014 when I was in Los Angeles and the hotel cafe, I was, the hotel cafe just was uh, on fire that year. It was, you know, it, it, I don't know, it was luck of the draw, but I saw like five acts that, uh, that year that every time I said that person's going to be huge and it sounded ridiculous because I kept saying that over and over again, but those five right. people are Leon Bridges, Moses Sumney, Margot Price, Natalie Prass, and Tobias Gesso, who did fall by the wayside. Um, and and the other ones are pretty much right on. I mean, they are... Um, yeah, that's a pretty good track record. I think your A&R career uh, should have taken off there. Pass me by. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm digging this album a lot. It's much more... Um, I think not. it's not an experimental album by any stretch, but it's much no. more ambitious and experimental than he's yeah. been. Yeah, it's 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 a big record and I and I really want it to do well. I I'm not, you know, I think it'll find an audience and I think it'll find radio will find it. Uh, I think there's a big push behind it. Um but yeah, it was kind of funny to see this guy play a you know, 100 seater uh hotel cafe on on Coinga and just be like this guy should be way bigger than this, you know? Um, no, totally. You know, my understanding is that he got a little bit of a late hop. I mean, not a you know late, late hop, but, you know, he's, uh, he f- you know, finished college before he started his singing career. And um, so, you know, he's probably uh, late 20s, early 30s at this point, And um, I think he's about to explode. Yeah, monster talent. I mean, uh, I actually saw him a few years back at a, at the Boston Calling Fest when the first year they moved over to, to the Harvard Sports um, Field. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, not a, at that time, like, I'd heard a little buzz around him. Or maybe you had mentioned that he was great and you were out in L.A. at that time, I think. And so, um, I, and I, you know, it was just tough. It was like a sunny festival day and, and you know, not – it didn't – he didn't quite – I want to say he didn't play with anyone else. It was one of those ones where you saw somebody like computerizing, you know, a bunch of beats and things like that. And it just didn't translate to me. So I've kind of, I can't say that I wrote him off, but I just sort of was like, eh, you know, and that happens sometimes. And I I never really should judge any group via festival because it's just such a different experience. But, um, but no, he did come up doing a lot of solo acoustic stuff. And that was, yeah. And it was with, you know, like a couple program beats and things like that. But, um, it just, he was very, on a very large stage, and it, it seemed a lot smaller than it I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and so, um, but yeah, Sign of the Times is, is like a huge album for me. I love that that album. And um, 
I also like think that you know this takes that and and kind of like you know brings his own thing to it. He's not doing a Prince cover album by any means, but he's uh, he's incorporating all the things that I love about that kind of uh, peak golden era of Prince, um, and you know and really bringing it to light here. It's a great record. I, I listened to it the other day and then kind of popped it back on before our pod here. Yeah, it's, there's still quite a bit of like you know contemplative solo acoustic you know numbers but there's they're they're you know uh, they're dotted among some pretty ambitious yeah i was uh, thinking it's kind of like sign of the times without the obvious hits yeah you know it's got some of the the you know kind of the outside the like all the other you know the 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 deep cuts right it reminds me Mm -hmm. of that which are all good and really good Mm -hmm. you know it just doesn't have you've got the look (laughs) or uh please it's not a not a Pop, like overtly pop album by any means. And you're your third? Yeah, so I'm going like um I feel like I'm taking a playbook out of out of Christian's world of, of kind of loud, noisy punk and, and uh dog the Detroit band Dog Legs album Melee, which um yeah, just find to be kind of fun. And just like the Ashley uh McIntyre album, it's one that I probably like will I been riding my bike more due to the weather changing and, and traffic being very light in Boston and, and uh, pop on and just go. It's uh, It never stops. It's loud. It's yell, a lot of yelling, but with melody. Um, the opening track, Kawasaki Backflip, which I kind of love the title of that track. And then, uh, you know, Wardle, sorry, the, um, the other track that I really like. And it's just one that... Um, this is a band that I would love to see, a, you know, on R.I.P. Great Scots or, you know, a, a small club, just uh, really, really loud, um, lots of shouting and pogoing and, and jumping around. And I think they just kind of go out. It, it, it hits this kind of weird blend of, of you know, I, I hate the term emo, but like people can say emo a lot around this stuff. But it, it, that I want to say like Pup or um, what's his name? Uh God, I can't remember. Uh, shit. Anyways, um, that kind of new punk world where you, you've got this, you know, kind of hard on the sleeve, shouty lyrics, but with a lot more aggression and um, Rosenstock, like Rose, you know, those those types of guys. Yeah. You know, he's that, actually it, got a new record out. Yeah, I saw that. I heard the single actually. Just sort of anth- like large, big anthems. Like they're they're kind of shooting for the rafters. But yeah. um, but also there's a lot more um, edge to it than what I considered emo back in the day. Yeah, it's punk rock Springsteen fans. Totally nailed it. Yep, yeah. Like there's like a theatric, uh, like Springsteen's always been kind of musical to me. And like, there's an earnestness to it yeah. that that uh, resonates. You know, they feel it. So yeah, that's and a lot of DIYness, which is always good. But it, I think all those groups too have a knack for melody. You know, sometimes lacks in that world, and um, it's uh, it's great. I really enjoy it. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's. Um, I'm gonna preempt you and, and throw on Virile because that was the song that we were both kind of flipping out over the Moses Sumney um, sign of the times uh, moment. So let's let's yeah, listen let's to Virile and, and come back and talk about a couple big releases. Yeah. I can feel 
All right, welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. We would be remiss in doing our Q2 music survey without mentioning a couple of pretty significant releases, one being Fiona Apple's um, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, which we have mentioned, talked a little bit about, but kind of settled in with, and um, I'm still really digging it. I, uh, You know, there was a, that initial... Um, like this is a this is amazing this is phenomenal but then it settles into just being a good album that you like listening to uh have you spent much time with it yet i have yeah i mean i think um new fiona apple seems to be kind of an event in general um i was going to get to it and you and christian got to it first and talked it up and you know i not i can't say that i um didn't have high expectations, but it kind of blew the high expectations I had out of the water. It's really fucking good. Yeah. And uh, I think might be her best. I, I think you might be right. Um, and I, you know, it's funny cause it, it's, that's really kind of the reaction. The only reaction you can have is this is really fucking good. And, um, which is a very inarticulate way of talking about an incredibly articulate record. Um, yeah, but, a very intricate, very smart, very uh, catchy. I mean, it just kind of she. It's like a confidence level. And, I mean, I don't not that she's not ever put out confident records. She has since she was like ten, it seems like. But um, but I, I think this is a like I don't give a fuck in all the right ways record. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is what I'm good at, and I'm gonna fucking you know. It's almost like a slap in the face. It's great. Yeah, there's a. I mean, there's a distinct difference between the I don't give a fuck what you think. And fuck you, this is what I want to do. And I think hers is, I don't give a fuck what you think, um, this is what I do. And, yep. uh, you know, it's it's not aimed at anybody. It is, like you said, it's it comes from a confidence of knowing that your vision um, is the right vision. And that is a really appealing trait when it, when it comes to uh, musicians and their records. Well, and I think, too, it's just always great when somebody who, you know, isn't the most prolific artist, but very um, celebrated, right? And, uh, yeah. And I think sometimes people overcompensate for that artist p- putting out something, right? I mean, I, I could even think back to, like, D'Angelo's album, which I really I liked. I say D'Angelo as well. You know? <laughs> but I, like, haven't listened to probably since I first dropped, you know? Um, and I feel like, uh, you know, there's almost like you, you have to think this is genius, you know, and, and I'm not saying mm-hmm. it isn't, I'm not trying to knock D'Angelo. It, it's a great album that I probably should go I back and listen to. Brown Sugar. Yeah. yeah, so do I. Yeah. Um, but with this Fiona Al- Apple album, I feel like, I, I feel like she's somebody that gets that treatment a lot too. Um, and I feel like this is like one that I can't argue with. That's pretty genius. Yeah. It's funny. Um, because it stands in stark contrast, I think to, uh, one of the other um, albums that's getting a pretty massive push right now, which is uh, the um, 1975's new record, uh, which I think you know. I mean, I need some. It, it, I need some explanation of them. I just don't understand this. Well, band. The, the thing is, is in contrast to uh, Fiona Apple, like here's a guy who cares absolutely deeply what you what you think of his music while is telling it? you to okay. fuck off. It's the difference. Yeah. You know, it's notes on a confidential form. And it's it's sort of like it's it's funny with the 1975. I keep I I hear more about them than I hear them, and yes, it, totally. it feels I like I mean the the one thing that's welcome in my book is that you know they they sort of dialed it back. Obviously not to 1975, um, 
but to sort of 1987. Like, they feel yep. like they really want to be in excess or they really want to be yeah, Coldplay. Yep. But they want to be like the, the sort of more rough and tumble, you know, snotty, bratty. Um, but the funny thing is, is that they keep coming, They to me, in my mind, they keep coming back to, to largely the same sound, which is a sort of, you know, uh, R&B light um, British music, you know, sort of Coldplay-ish. And yeah, I was going to say their best, catchiest songs are pretty pretty straightforward, you know? Like, they sound like a band that when they try and do the, the you know, Libertines-esque, rough and tough, you know, uh Rough around the edges stuff. It it doesn't work that well. It feels like an good. effort. Yeah, it sounds like somebody pretending to be rough and tough. Yeah, they 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 they're more at home as like simply red. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they, what they, is their I, take I though? Are they a band that's like do critics like them? I it's just one of those things that I, I think critics on. like them. Like critics are good with them. Uh, in the same way that people and I keep saying Coldplay, but in the same way that I mean. Everybody bashes Coldplay, but you know when the critics come out, they're like, "Well, you know what? This isn't this guy's pretty." Let's good. say Coldplay like circa Russia Blood to the Head, you know, like yeah. the kind of first couple of records that were actually pretty critically acclaimed. And like. Viva Love, you know, yeah. Viva La Vida. Um, but the, you know, the funny thing about these guys is they are, you know, the, their name, you know, sort of. Uh, Glam rock, punk rock. (laughs) Yeah, which is not where they are, but at the same time, they are definitely retro, and and they seem to be the only band currently that's playing the game that they're playing, which is to be to straddle the line between like cool and huge. Yeah, they seem smart to me in a way, like where like Kings of Leon never did, you know, or like. some of those bands that like, and they, they are experimental in my mind. Like they do a lot of like kind of synthy pop songs and, you know, um, but it's like, they don't quite commit to anything like the killers did or, you know, some of these other kind of, yeah, um, you know, mega bands. Cause the killers were the last band that kind of did this. They were the yep. last band that kind of came out and tried to be an arena band by putting out pop songs. Yeah. Duran Duran songs. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's working, I think, to a degree. I think they're pretty popular. They're certainly, you know, play the press game extraordinarily well. And I yeah, think there's a lot of PR. push behind them. And, you know, Matty Healy is, you know, a, quote, controversial frontman. He's not particularly controversial. He's just, a lo- he just talks a lot. Um, but, it, it, you know, to me, it's kind of funny. It, 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 it doesn't, it is a very Duran Is there a Cage the Elephant comp or no? I think those. I I don't know much about Cage the Elephant other than um, they. Every song I heard, I didn't know it was them until somebody told yeah, me. Yeah, and it kind of. I thought they all were like pretty it. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, in terms of popularity, there's probably a Black Keys uh, yep. comp or or something like that. But at the same time, it is it is that like there's a Michael Hutchins. No, I, the excess is kind guy. of yeah, good like good in band stature, definitely like where you had kind of somebody who was just an enigma, really. Yeah, and but always kind of you know, always a, always a frontman, always a presence. So it was always like yeah, you can point to that guy and be like, that's who that band is. Yep. Cool. Anyway. Well, yeah, those are, uh, I mean, two, yeah, those are kind of the two big ones. Um, just a toss-off, one album that you and I didn't get to just because we were trying to keep it 
tight. I do enjoy the, the Pure X album quite a bit. Oh, yeah, I like um, that a lot, too. It's one that's kind of grown on me in a, you know, Galaxy 500 type of way. It, it's it's uh, moody and, and atmospheric, but really, really good guitar album. Yeah, I really um, like that a lot. And then the other one that I would say look out for, uh, which is forthcoming, is, um, well, the two that are forthcoming. Obviously, Run the Jewels is coming out in about a week and a half, yeah, which is going to be epic. Out. And um, there's a, a new band out of Philly, um, I think, that is rising from the ashes of several other bands called Second Grade. Who I like are, it. I heard some I, of the singles. It's yeah, good. I really like. So um, keep an eye out for those guys. And um, you want to take a quick break um, and play a little Fiona Apple, and then we'll come back and end this how we always end it. Sounds good. Back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Uh, it's Jeremy and Wyndham today, and I have to ask you, Jared, uh, uh, you know, a question. Uh, it, it, it seems like this is a show within a show. What are you listening to? Oh, man. Well, aside from the albums that I just listed off, I, um, I did a couple things. I, I finished Ozark 3, and I'm going to rant quick, or yeah, season three, right? I'm gonna rant quickly about it because I was probably the last person to finish it uh, in the age of pandemic. I really liked it. It's super enjoyable, but man, did the fucking bipolar brother hijack the end of that show for me. And uh, <laughs> I was just like, why is nobody, why is nobody not complaining about this guy? Like, just completely overacting. And I've actually heard that people thought he was great. And uh, I would say he was decent, you know, whatever. But it was like, wow. I mean, it would just seem really unnecessary for a show that was flowing and you're a tv writer so you could maybe explain some of that to me but um you know it's like they they lost control or they thought it was it's kind of like when you know they people think the wrong thing is funny in a comedy and that was funny and then they ruin it by the next four seasons focusing on the wrong character or something yeah um i, th- it I think it's uh, painful. It, i mean I, I i know the tactic i mean i know the strategy it's like we 
you know, we're bringing someone in for a one season arc. So because we're running out of, you know, new stuff yeah, to do with the existing cra- cast. And, uh, you know, the second he appeared on screen, I was like, OK, well, he's going to run nine episodes and die. Yeah, um, I watched it with my <laughs> girlfriend and my my line was like, well, this show is good till Ben went off his fucking meds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I, I agree. It kind of took it sideways, but it's still a fun show to watch. And it is. You know. And I do have one more. Sorry, I'm going to throw in there back TV. I just, and I've been texting you and Christian kind of relentlessly and, and pushing you and your wife, uh, Paula, sister-in-law Paula, to, to watch it again. I just jumped into season two Fargo because, um, again, my girlfriend hadn't seen it, and I just kind of was looking for shows to watch. And it's been a while. I'm, I'm less of a binge watcher than I think you are. Um, but man, like it is outstanding. And I confidently say, like, I call the big three, you know, Sopranos, Wire and, and, uh, Breaking Bad. And I put the first two over the the last one, but, uh, I think this season in a time capsule, um, is right there with any of those shows in their entirety. It's so bizarre, so well-written, paced amazingly, soundtracked perfectly, doesn't fuck up at all and uh and just plants you in this surreal world that has very very um little i mean i would say no no soft spots it's just a it's a perfect kind of tv series yeah. for our season i should say um Someone and i think the series game. yeah general is good i didn't i never finished season three i, I really liked season one but they all kind of stand alone story-wise um minus a, a few kind of uh running themes but yeah, I, I highly recommend. I know Christian watched it recently, and uh, I think you're going to jump back in possibly. But man, it, it, it's like so many things that I forgot that are just yeah. so good about it. I, I have not rewatched it. I did watch it around the time we initiated this podcast, and yeah. it is easily one of my favorite seasons of television in history. And uh, I will, I will rewatch that. I will jump on that bandwagon. But speaking of brilliant. Episode, uh, brilliant seasons of television. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, I think I had mentioned Normal People when when we last uh, recorded, but I don't think I had run through it. And um, I loved it so much, and I would urge anybody to watch it. I think it's so beautifully done, so beautifully written. So you know, it, it does that thing that you know we frequently talk about, which is it goes to the edge of where it could get you know melodramatic or silly or any number of things and it never skates off the edge it it just you know it, it's it's a great piece of um television uh, adapted from a great book by Sally Rooney who actually uh you know co-created the series so i think you know that is uh you know, integral to its success on Hulu. Um, but two great leads, pretty much two great leads and some ancillary people. Um, you know, the, the yeah, show is about, show is about two, you know, an Irish, uh, young Irish couple. Um, I would say young Irish couple in love, but I would say more a young Irish couple evolving and, um, it takes them through high school and, and college and, and just, it just lands. It's, it's on Irish, so it's duty, not love. When, <laughs> yeah, um, and then uh, the last thing, and then the other thing I wanted to, you know, again, I'm going to pull one out from a couple years ago that I missed on the way when it was uh, when it was a hot property, but it is uh, it's great, and that's I'm reading Killers of the Flower Moon, 
the Osage Murders and the Birth of the FBI by David Grant, um, which is a fantastic book. Uh, yeah, that sounds really interesting. I want to check that out. It is nonfiction, and it reads like a thriller, and I think I knocked out about 150 pages yesterday um, just because I couldn't put it down. And, you know, it is as promised. It's also very short um, and concise, so it, there's not a lot of fat, and there is, it's just a great it's – a, it's a great telling of a horrible story um, and a really uh, – sinister and tragic chapter of American history. I I recommend it highly. I think it was like, you know, one of those books that won a lot of awards and was hugely popular like two years ago. So, there you are. I think that might be on my uh, on on deck. I've been actually ordering a bunch of books from Amazon lately, so it's been good. Um, You want to to throw a song on the 10 best songs of all time? Let's do it. I am going to go with a song that I'm always happy when it comes on, because that's the point of this playlist, especially at a dance party. I'm going to go with uh, Girls and Boys by Blur. Nice. Nice. I'm actually going to go in the, way, in the sort of semi-wayback machine to a period where I haven't, I feel like we haven't mined a ton for this, for this era, but um, I'm going to go with Shine a Light by Wolf Parade. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a great sort song. Of cool. At the very beginning of our, of our uh, Pitchfork Festival. Uh, yeah, it is. But they were, you know, it's a. I love that song, and and it it um, it kind of has faded from memory. So, bring cool. it back. All right. All right. Well, this was well, fun. We'll talk again soon. Absolutely. And, uh, stay well. Enjoy. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother 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 podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer Damian Kendall and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.